Welcome to Demanding Growth, a podcast from Annuitus where we have conversations about some of today's biggest challenges to growth. Today, we're talking about how to understand and accommodate the generational divide in B2B decision-making. I'm joined by two guests. Hi, I'm Jessica Jones, Chief Growth Officer of Annuitus. Hi, I'm Stephanie Costa, Strategy Director at Annuitus. Thanks, y'all, for being here today. I'm excited about our topic, but before we jump in, I want to set the stage and explain what we mean when we say generational divides in B2B decision-making. What we're talking about is the differences between the three generations that primarily make up today's marketplace. Those would be baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. With that in mind, let's jump in. So Jessica, when you hear me say generational divide and B2B decision-making, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you? I think everyone right now is talking a lot about whatever you want to call it, whether it be the great resignation, the great whatever, right? Everyone's got a different name for it. But I think the reality of it is, is that it's causing younger generations to shift into more leadership positions. So it's become a bigger topic of conversation as to how younger generations want to develop relationships and what their buying journey is, as opposed to um, older generations uh, that are that are currently in leadership positions or have been in the past. So I think that's, and Stephanie, I think that's what we were talking about with some of, you've seen it in some of your clients, I've seen it with mine, right? Where we are seeing that the younger generations uh, just have different preferences when it comes to how they engage during the buying process. And just in general, even as customers, how they want to do business, continuing business um, and develop relationships with organizations. Yeah. And I have a slightly different, even nuance that I've seen in a couple of our clients where aside from just the younger generation coming up, stepping into leadership positions and having different preferences, it's also how do we still serve the older generation, even as they're, they're, you know, retiring or perhaps not being targeted as well. Um, And so where we've had to really work with our clients is around some sort of flexibility in the way they go to market, because while younger generations prefer you know, things at their fingertips, self-service, things like that. A lot of the older generations are still looking for a little bit more of a a hand-holding or a, a less technical kind of journey. And so how to save time for our clients so that they don't have two completely different customer journeys. How do they maintain a level of flexibility that they can serve across the different preferences? Yeah, we had this problem with a client recently, right, who's in a, they wanted to do a a market strategy, a go-to-market strategy around something that is very geared towards what we were calling up-and-comers, right? So they were not necessarily, they could be younger generation, they they were more often younger generation, Um, but in general, the interesting thing that we found was is that both younger and older generations want to have a relationship. It's just that they define it differently, like you said. So the first definition, younger generations define it as more of a digital first self-serve relationship, like you said. And then older generations wanted to go straight to a sales rep or straight to somebody they had a relationship with at the organization. Interestingly enough, though, two things that we found that were common were they wanted the same type of information, number one. And two, that when they wanted to talk to a sales rep, that they wanted it immediately. There was a, 
you know, it was it was something that had to happen immediately. There's no tolerance for waiting um, when they actually did want to go to a live relationship. But what we found was is that it's just about the delivery of it, right? So it, are you delivering it on the website? Are you delivering it, like we said, via self-serve? Or for older generations, sales enablement platforms become really important to make sure that you're delivering. They have the same information available to them. It's just that it's being delivered through the individuals and shared through the individuals, not necessarily on the website. Right. And I think one of the other things that we tend to forget is we think about how it affects the buying journey through to sale, but then what happens after that. And so, you know, for example, like one of my clients recently in the technology space for them, um, they had more of this issue with their end users. So like the clients of their customers. And so we had to really think about like beyond selling to them or beyond our customers selling to their clients, how do they connect the dots for them? And like, make it really easy for their clients um, in the delivery of their product. And we're looking to us to help them make that more seamless as well. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that there's kind of a double layer to this conversation of, yes, B2B, we're selling to a different generation, but then there's another B2B level where um, our end customers are equally as important in this discussion. And we do need to take into consideration, ooh, does their generation play a role in how they're actually purchasing as well? So the, there's kind of a, a double layer effect. I think that's a really good call out. I'm interested to know if y'all think that most companies are even aware of this divide. I think, and Jessica, I'm curious your take on this. I think that um, they're aware of it and they don't know how to solve for it. Agreed. I think they're aware of it, but aren't doing anything about it. Although talk about the importance of it, but then you ask them how they're actually taking action on it and they don't have an answer for it. And are you seeing a difference in how this topic is handled amongst larger enterprise legacy organizations that tend to move a little slower versus high growth, you know, startup-esque feeling organizations that prefer to move quickly? Is there a difference in how these two types of company are looking at generations in the marketplace? I would say that, yes, that some of our larger, more traditional enterprise organizations that have, you, you tend to see people, first of all, I think that are more loyal, right? They're older generations that have been around, that, that work there, that have worked there for 20 years. They've done things the way that they always have. They lean or rely on more traditional sales methodologies. Um, or I should actually say, I don't know if it's traditional or not, but just more legacy. Hey, let me, let's go out to a steak dinner and let's close this deal or let's go play golf on Saturday or whatever it might be. I mean, that's still, that still is out there. There's a predominant, you know, piece of the sale relationship building. Yeah. With that, where the, but it's relationship building in person um, and, and business is done in very old school type ways, or I should say business is closed in old school type ways and relationships are built in person doing those types of things. You tend to see that more in the larger organizations. Uh, younger generations tend to gravitate, first of all, towards growth stage uh, companies because I think they, growth stage organizations, tend to put an image out in the world that attracts people like that, right? Like, hey, we've got all of these benefits and work-life balance and 
we do, you know, pre pre pandemic, it was, Hey, we've got a kegerator in the, in the break room and, and a ping pong table and, and, you know, all of these auxiliary things that, that are outside of what the actual, that they're just attracted to younger generations. Right. And so they're going to attract more younger generations. So you'll see those people end up in more leadership positions in those, I think quicker in those types of organizations. You're also seeing, and tell me if you're seeing this, Stephanie, but I'm seeing people leave growth stage organizations much quicker. I think they tend to be less loyal in in growth stage organizations. I don't see people staying for the 10, 20 years like you do in some of these enterprise organizations anymore. And I think that turnover is, I'm seeing an interesting side effect of that where there are people that are moving into positions that might not be ready for them yet, leadership positions. Mm. So they kind of have to, it's trial by fire, right? They have to grow up a little too fast in those. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely just a difference in our generations. I mean, I think about how it used to be so much more common to stay in at one company for an entire career versus now, you know, with the younger generations, they would never do that. And and to your point, I think that every time they are looking for career advancement rather than looking internally, it's, you know, where can I reach outside of my comfort zone at a, at a new place um, to move up? And so I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. So you think about that, then you think about a more traditional old school way of selling where you're investing personally or individually in people at a growth stage organization, that's probably not scalable if you're seeing heavy turnover like that, right? You can't, because as you start to invest time and, and effort into individual personalized relationships as a salesperson like that, it it's frustrating. So I think you've got to look for ways that are more at scale, which is going to be more digital first postures, which they're going to want anyway. So yeah, you think about what you lose with high turnover when things aren't digital, right? Like you don't have the paper trail that you need when you have the high turnover if you're not moving to a more digital first business model. Yeah. And that's not even to mention what happens to your sales cycle if your primary contact leaves the company and all of a sudden you have to start over completely and that impacts your ability to sell. It's a good point. Well, and I even, that just, I don't know, this thought just popped in my head. It's like, um, I think about maybe not even just the difference in the size of the organization, but there might be an industry um, different, oh, you know, absolutely. difference of, of verticals here that we didn't talk about. I mean, like I think about even a couple of years ago, working with one of our banking partners that, um, you know, they have just because of the way that industry has always been, like you mentioned earlier with the, you know, let's go golf and talk about, a partnership, let's go to a nice dinner, nice, get a nice drink um, versus like, how can we automate that? How can you create an email nurture that's going to be in place of that? And it's not one or the other. It's how do you support it um, and do both? But I think there's a big industry thing there too, of like a tech company versus a, a more traditional finance organization or whatever it may be. That actually gets me thinking and it goes back to a point that both of you have said throughout this conversation about flexible models of engagement and how can we build those so that we're prepared to meet the buyer, the customer, wherever they are in their journey. And at the same time, 
we're able to cover our bases if someone leaves or if we realize that maybe there is some generational friction there. So I'm curious to get y'all's take on what a flexible model of engagement actually looks like. I think recently for us, we've been focusing more and more on engagement channel models that are more flexible, that are really more diverse. I think that, you know, not that engagement channels haven't always been important, but now more than ever, I think, because the last couple of years, we all know that one of the biggest channels that everyone focused on, live events, right, has, hasn't been available to them. And so it's it's enabled us to start having better conversations around how to be more flexible and how to deliver the same content and relationship. You know, people want to have the same types of relationships no matter where they're engaging with you and they expect you to know things about them. They don't want to start over just because they're engaging with you in a different way, right? So it's not like it's the same thing with, with when you're talking to a sales rep right after you've, you know, maybe consumed a lot of content on a website and you've been going back and forth and filling forms out. And if you actually talk to a sales rep and the first thing they say is, so tell me about what you're looking for. Or tell me what's going on in your organization today or all those things. You know, that's a frustrating type of conversation. And it should be the same exact way if you're engaging with them on your website or going to LinkedIn or um, YouTube, whatever it might be, right? I, I think that people need to take a more omni-channel approach right now because um, people are diversifying the way that they're going out and consuming content and finding content online. I think the struggle too is, you know, we talk about even in our, with our own business model, you know, like the cost of doing nothing. And I think for a lot of people supporting a flexible business model sounds like a lot of work, but without the message of here's the cost of not investing on being more flexible, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a barrier to do it. And so the way I think about it is like Jessica just said, like investing in um, a more diverse engagement channel strategy or more diverse, you know, content formats and, and things like that, what ends up happening is duplicative efforts down the road where you may have a few really great pieces of content or a few really great tailored conversations with, with buyers that are or aren't more digital. But then for for the folks that are that are looking for something different, you have to spend your time in duplicating your efforts to to serve them. And so investing up front in a more diverse strategy, um, while it's while it's a lot of work up front, like I think it saves time in the long run. And I think that's maybe a missing piece for a lot of people. I think that's a great point, Stephanie. So I'm curious again to know if you are working with someone who wants to build this this flexible engagement model, what's the best starting point? How do they get this going? Talking to your customers and prospects and finding out where they go for their information. And and not being afraid of of leveraging some non-traditional places too, right? So recently mm -hmm. another client we had, actually we found out that a lot of them were talking about Reddit and they weren't anywhere close to thinking about how to engage into something like that. You know? So I think that you, you're going to find some surprising things and you need to not be afraid to try new things when, you know, whatever you're hearing, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to tell you who they trust and who they don't. So just because you're comfortable with Google or you're comfortable with LinkedIn advertising or whatever it might be, that might not be the best place. And that might not be where they trust sources of information to come from. So you got to listen to people first and foremost, listen to your prospects, listen to your customers. Yeah, absolutely. Jessica, that's a great point. And such a core tenant of what we do at Annuitus, which, you know, 
the first thing we always say is talk to your customers, talk to your prospects, interview them, validate your findings with third-party research. So once you determined that you, you do want to build this flexible model of engagement and you are acknowledging that you're selling to different generations and that they have different buying preferences, how can you help your sales team adjust? Because that can be a pretty big adjustment. So what can you do to set them up for success during this transition or during this learning phase? I think this goes back and I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think this goes back to coming at it from the end user standpoint, not the person you're trying to sell to. Um, and so like I think about, you can sell all day long to say, hey, this is going to make it easier for you to do business. This is going to make you more efficient. This is going to make you, it's going to be cheaper to you, whatever it may be. But I think what really hits these days is this is going to save your customers X amount of time. This is going to um, increase your retention with your customers because their life is going to be easier. And I think that message is missed a lot. I think it's about who you're selling to rather than who the end user of this might be. Um, I also think just from a practical perspective that the way that content is organized in a sales management platform makes a big difference as to how easy it's going to be to to make that transition into it to actually leverage it. So for instance, I a lot of our clients, when we first engage with them, their sales management platforms are the content within them is organized by very product or service focused type search terms or you know folder structure, whatever it might be, right? However they have their sales management platform set up, it's it's organized by products or solutions or business units or the way that segments or the way so it's it's demographic or the way the business is segmented or what have you or how it goes to market. What they should be doing is, especially if we're talking about you know, older generations wanting to engage more upfront and then younger generations later, right? I think that we need to have better better ways to search that are more aligned, almost to what Stephanie's saying, more aligned to use cases and um, pain points and challenges, just the way people talk, right? I don't think that every person's not going to pick up the phone when they're talking to a sales rep and say, I want this product. Some of them are going to say, I'm having this challenge in my business. So you need to be able to look for content that way or align it. Or, you know, to, if you understand that they're in an early stage of their buying journey, you want to look for content that's in an early stage of, or what's similar. It, it just needs to be organized in a way that people want to have conversations organically and want to do business. So what would you say to someone who's resistant to this change and who thinks that this might be a temporary shift, um, especially with, you know, the great resignation, whatever you want to call it, the great retirement? What do you say to that person who's apprehensive about making this type of change? It isn't going to change. I was watching a video actually that a client sent me um, this morning that was talking about how the population of certain social media platforms was bigger than the population of the largest countries in the world and things like that. And was talking about just the impact of the, of the world going digital has had. People don't realize I think that it's it isn't it isn't when you're going to adopt this. It's just how fast you're going to adopt it and how fast you're going to be left behind. And I don't think you know, I I think that the recent the last couple of years are just going to accelerate it more and more and more and we're just going to continue to see that even if the pandemic ended tomorrow right i still think that there are going to be lasting implications 
to the last couple of years that are going to change the face of the way that people communicate, do business, establish relationships. Um, and I, I think people just need to accept that. You know, it's yes, it's hard. I, I always use that. I, I think I've, I've told you this story before, right? It's the, it's like the story of when you get a new phone. How how much right when you first get a new well that has a dramatic difference to it right and you yep. get a new phone and you absolutely hate your phone. Why did I buy this phone? I want my old phone back. It was comfortable. I love my phone, right? And then as as a couple of days go by, it's so bad. And you're like, oh, it takes great pictures. Oh, it does this, right? Oh, it's so much faster. And before you know it, you love the new phone. So I think it's just that you gotta go with the flow. Well, I think Jessica hit on something important there that she actually mentioned earlier in that like you talk about doing it or being left behind. And so then the next natural question is, well, how do I do it differently, right? If everyone's doing it or if everyone's forced to do it, how do you differentiate yourself? And I think that goes back to like taking risks that, you know, Jessica mentioned earlier of you can't like, you got to try something new, even if it's like she mentioned Reddit. I had a, I had a, I was on with a customer last week that was talking about creating TikToks. Um, and so, you know, to me, that sounds like something, oh, you're crossing into from a business to a personal type of platform, but maybe that's what it is to differentiate yourself. You just don't know. I also think that we didn't talk about, we I think we talked about how they want to develop relationships digitally, but I don't think that we talked about also the fact that short format content, I think, becomes more and more relevant with younger generations. I think that's another thing, right? They talk about, even with older generations, I just think everyone's attention span right now just continues to, you know, go down. I, yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, we did research for our own strategy, right? And everyone was saying like, we're so on the go. We need to be able to have a podcast or something like that where um, we can fit it into, we can mesh the the business and the personal life, Right. And then I think about for me personally, especially when I'm in a, you know, trying to work quickly, get as much done as I can, as quickly as I can, um, you know, when we do our own research for our clients and strategy phase, like if I have to watch a webinar to get the information I need, I absolutely hate it. Like I want to be able to skim an article, pull a quote and be done. And so it's just interesting. It's like, I think it's the speed of everything nowadays, right? Whether it's you're meshing your business into your personal life or you're just trying to get things done quickly, it's got to be quick bite-sized. Yeah. And it can link out to something longer or broader if need be, right? I think it's a, it can be a compelling argument. We've been doing that with a lot of our clients talking about these, um, you know, let's write a blog post and then let's link out to something more meaty and, and white paper-ish or whatever it might be that you, for more of the facts, but I, I agree with you. If you're going to catch people's attention, think about emails, think about everything, right? It's not, nobody's got any time anymore. Oh, I totally agree with that, Jessica. Research has actually shown recently, I think I'm remembering a study by Microsoft where it was um, found that the human attention span has dropped to something like eight seconds. Like this crazy short amount of time that we have to connect with people and to build something meaningful and really make change in their lives and in the world around us. So yeah, it, regardless of age or generation, preferences have changed. And I think, you know, that's really the whole point of this conversation is realizing that at the end of the day, you have to provide options for everyone, no matter what generation they fall into, because buying preferences have just changed that dramatically in the past few years.
And the sooner you get on board and accommodate those changes, the better off you'll be. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me today. This has been a really fun conversation. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time.